Welcome to Three Films in a Podcast, the show where Destiny brought together three friends to enhance each other's cinematic journey by watching three new movies in a series of themed rounds. There is no claim of ownership on any film footage used in this episode, as all film footage is owned in its entirety by the copyright holders. And just like every car in Too Fast, Too Furious, this podcast contains spoilers. Enjoy! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Three Films in a Podcast. My name is Ben Lawhorn, and I am joined, as always, by Tyler Beck and Matt Weiler. Matt, who's in a, a new location for the first time ever. Yeah. New day for the pod. Yeah, this is crazy. Yeah. I'm excited happy to, to Happy to be phoning in here. Yeah, it's East Coast Hello, Matt. everyone. It's a whole different <laughs> Matt. <laughs> we have no idea what's going to happen tonight with East Coast Matt. But <laughs> All bets are off. Uh, for those of you new to the show, welcome to the movie club. For those of you returning, welcome back to the movie club. We are Three Films and a Podcast. You can find us everywhere at Three Films Pod. We also have a website, threefilmspod.com. We'd appreciate you telling anyone and everyone, just stop people on the street and tell them to listen to us uh, however you need to do it. Cold calls. You appreciate that. What you got to do? Cold yeah. calls. Yeah. We started a calling center. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. <laughs> Have you heard of three films on a podcast? <laughs> um, all right. We are, it is February. Um, it is Black sure History is, Month. Yes, it is. And we are on to the second movie of our Black History Movies round, uh, which was selected by Tyler, nominated by Tyler. Last week, we talked about Daughters of the Dust. Um, which was a great conversation. I'm glad that we watched that movie. Um, but yeah, being being February, being Black History Month, we wanted to go through some Black History movies this month um, and kind of talk about those. So again, we talked about Dollars of the Dust last week. Um, I, it's interesting going through these three movies, what periods, I guess, in Black History they're going to cover, you know, because I feel like Dollars yeah. of the Dust is like a much different time. Um, my selection today, I went with uh, Spike Lee's to five bloods, which is like, you know, obviously like sixties, the Vietnam war, all that kind of stuff. Um, then next week we'll be talking about Judas and the black Messiah, which I'm very excited to cover, but, uh, yeah, we're doing the five bloods today. Um, the IMDB tagline said four African-American vets battle the forces of man and nature when they return to Vietnam, seeking the remains of their fallen squad leader and the gold fortune he helped them hide this cast is like as stacked as those gold bricks you know what i mean like there, there's totally. like so many great people here we got chadwick <laughs> boseman delroy lindo clark peters norm lewis jonathan majors and mr she himself isaiah whitlock she. jr i was so glad we got one of those <laughs> so happy i was like oh they've got to we've got to get that like he, he can't be in a movie and not do that so i was so happy that we finally we finally heard it if it's in his contract like <laughs> it's gotta be right <laughs> like look that's my thing i have to say shit for 30 seconds <laughs> this was a, yeah this was an extended one which i liked quite that's a bit a good one yeah, I mean, I chose this movie, honestly, like it kind of goes back to the first round we ever did on the Spike Lee joints, which was also a Tyler selection. Um, and Matt, I think you had seen this movie before, right? You, you'd seen yes. this previously. Mm-hmm. And I think you had recommended it maybe in a couple of our Rushmore. So I was like, okay, I need to check it out. But just like everyone else's problem, it's just like in the queue of everything that we need to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just hadn't gotten around to it. So when this came up as the nomination for the round, it was like, oh, this is the perfect opportunity to finally yeah. sit down and watch this movie. Um, I, I really enjoy Spike Lee's movies. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a little bit. You know, we, we did a 
director's rounds afterwards. We talked about the Spielberg isms and there's definitely a lot of Spike Lee isms. Um, we've got a few in this movie as well. So I'm sure we'll, we'll hit on that, but yeah, it was just something that I, I, for some reason hadn't gotten around to yet. And I'm, I'm super glad that we did. Um, but Tyler, this was, this, this was the first watch for you. Is that right? Yeah. Um, just kind of, you know, just like what you said, it's been on the list for a while. Um, I didn't know anything about it. I tried, uh, to go in as like blind as possible. Like I mm-hmm. didn't know it had anything to do with Vietnam until I started it basically. Yeah. Um, I didn't know who was in it. I saw that Chadwick was in it, but for whatever reason, I just like, I just wanted to keep it completely fresh when I was going to, when I went to watch it, because I just felt like with spike, even though like there are certainly the spike isms and you sort of know, you sort of know what to expect, but you just don't know how you're going to get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I just feel like spike always surprises me. Every, every movie I watch of his is different than I thought it was going to be. So I wanted to know like, what is a movie going to be like of his that I don't know anything about? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? For mm-hmm. sure. Like, um, anyways, um, I, Oh, and I got to watch Alex watch this with me. So that oh, was cool too. Nice. And she really liked it. She cried a lot cool. at the end. Um, That's awesome. Uh, yeah. The awesome that she um, cried. Awesome that she watched it with you, but yeah, it's always yeah. a bonus. She, she kind of cheated though. So I watched the first hour and then I had to stop it and pick it up the next day. Mm. So when I told her I was going to finish it, I caught her up to where we were. Oh, okay. Um, I, she picked up the movie spoiler alert right when they find Otis's gun. You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah. 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 I stopped it right after that scene and start, I was like, okay, so here's what's happening. Here's what's going on. And she's like, that was the perfect way for me to watch a movie. You got, <laughs> you took out, all, you just like filled me in. And I just got to watch the, the best part, um, which I actually, I do think the best part of this movie is everything that happens after that. I think mm. it's like serendipitous that that's where my break point was Yeah, because I feel like, I don't, I hate being the guy that's like, eh, every movie's too long. Right. But I do think, I, I do think you could, we could have lost, I don't know, 40 minutes out of this movie and mm. I would have got almost the same thing, but it's have even saying that, like there was obviously things that spike was trying to say. I mean, it's the most heavy handed you could possibly do it with the messages he's trying to give you. Like he's yeah. overtly hitting over your head. Like this is what happened. This has very been the intentional. Yeah. Whole, yeah. Which I think is great. And I think like, I think it's something that, you know, needs to be done and said. And I think it's something that, uh, people like me need mm-hmm. to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, even though I consider myself fairly aware, um, it, it is, I, I need it beat into my head a little bit more. You know what I mean? For but, sure. So it's like, it's hard for me to say I want it to be shorter because I understand that Spike was trying to say a lot and he's, there's a lot of things he wanted to say and do. And then also once that scene happens, once they are like in the jungle and they're start right before they find the gold bars, like I, I felt like it, the, the pace was, it, it was really well paced after that. And I was just mm-hmm. hooked. Like the more it went on, the more I liked this movie. Like when it first started, I was like, I'm not sure if I like this. Like mm. I wasn't buying the chemistry between the characters. Like, the people playing the characters are charismatic and had chemistry. I felt like, but I just yeah. wasn't buying it with the characters. I wasn't, I just, I, it took me a while to, to get into it. But then as soon as it hooked me, um, it just kept rolling and rolling and rolling. And I kept liking it more and more and more. And by the time it was over, I really, really liked this movie. But I think if I were to rewatch it, I would watch maybe a couple of scenes in that first hour mm-hmm. and then just go 
to the last hour and a half. But again, I'm really glad we watched it. Every time I, every new Spike movie I watch, I like more and more. And it's cool to have watched, you know, one of his very first or some of his very first to one of his most recent because those spikeisms, they just, <laughs> to me, they were just like, he does, he does a little bit more every, every time. I think mm-hmm. my favorite one is those little double cuts that he does. Yeah. Yeah. Like if someone goes in for a hug, he shows it twice. Yeah. Yeah. And at first it was like, it's like, Oh, come on spike. Like the first time I saw it in a, I don't remember which movie it was. Um, I was like, Oh, come on spike. I don't like that. Whatever. Yeah. But then that, now every time he does it, I'm like, hell yeah, Spike, you put your <laughs> fingerprint on this thing. Right, like, exactly. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that, the the more and more I watch the stuff, I like. Yeah. There, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean to interject, but like no, along I'm, those lines, like, there's one that um, when we're watching like the boat or whatever, go down the river. And it's clearly a drone shot. And it's like static yeah. for a sec. And then once the boat comes through, then it starts to move with it. And it's like another director would have just like picked it up as we're moving with spikes. Like, yeah. well, I'm just going to show us sitting there for a second. Then we'll go. It's like, that's very much yeah. his thing. But on the other end, he also, this movie does not really, as long as it is, he doesn't linger on any scenes. Like once something happens, like no. cut next thing, we're moving on, you know, like he is just like, yeah. boom, like that whole gun situation, you know, when like Jonathan majors, like finally he's like, here, take it. And then Dorlando grabs it and then just like, boom, instantly cut to the next day. It's like, Oh, okay. We're not, we're not lingering on this whatsoever. So uh, it was cool yeah. to see some of those spike isms for sure. Along the lines, like also obviously that like moving shot that he's like infamous for like the end of Malcolm X and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, obviously the Philip Seymour Hoffman from 25th hour in the club, you know, what's one of the other movies we covered. So it was cool to see that again. Um, Matt, how was this for you on the rewatch? It was good. Um on the podcast, or I guess just on our in our movie club group, we had covered Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yeah. We were all stoked on Jonathan Majors at that point. This was, you know, not too long after the pandemic happened. And I remember just thinking like, holy crap, there's a movie with Jonathan Majors in it, Chadwick Boseman, a Spike Lee joint. Like, I was like, this is awesome. You know, yeah. this, this is going to be a, a small, you know, glimmer of light in this you know, crappy situation. And uh, so we'd watched it and this, this came out, you know, just a couple of months before he passed. And so this is, this was the last thing I saw him in, you know, before, before all that. And so Storm and Norman is always going to be like a character that resonates with me. Without a doubt. I thought, uh, as, as Tyler pointed out, I thought the, the themes in this were very, very clear. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it was done in a really cool way. I, there was a movie that I had seen. It was a cartoon. It was a it wasn't a it wasn't a Miyazaki movie, but it was from that studio. From Ghibli, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, from Studio Ghibli, and it was called From Up on Poppy Hill. Mm, yeah, it's about post-war Japan, and it's an era of Japan that we kind of just like aren't very aware of as Americans. Mm. We don't really explore that time uh, period, um, and so that was like super interesting, and I felt that same thing watching this. Uh, you don't really think there's not a ton of stories of of the black soldiers that served in Vietnam. Yeah, and so it was super cool to see it from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, what else did we get in pop culture? Bubba from Forrest Gump. Like that's literally yeah. like the only other. Yeah. that I, I mean, I had, definitely none of them being the central characters. Yeah, right. Sure. Right. A lot of style, like in Platoon. You know, there's obviously side characters, but 
Yeah, yeah, and nice, I, yeah. I say that acknowledging that my uh, my filmography of, of Vietnam movies is very limited. Um, so oh, I'm same. sure I'm sure I'm missing. You know, so, so someone's gonna message in here and say you're an idiot. There's tons of movies about it, but anyways, <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, message it. Watch. I'm gonna message you that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> Thank you for your comment, Ben. Um, <laughs> like, oh, I forgot to use my burner account. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh, no, but it was really cool to see that perspective. Um, it was cool that Spike Lee sort of interjected some uh, very, you know, the things that you wouldn't normally think about in association with, you know, soldiers in Vietnam with like Otis's sort of sub storyline there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, with the relationship that was very, you know, very clearly happened there. So it's cool to see some of the, some of these things that like I literally never would have thought about yeah. um, if if Spike Lee hadn't put this in a movie. And so that's kind of my first impressions. And uh, yeah, and I'm always I'm always down to watch a Spike Lee joint. Like even take take the star power out of this, take Chadwick and Jonathan Majors out of this, and it's it's a Spike Lee movie. And so um, he's he's still kind of the star of this, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, you know, when you're watching a spike movie for sure. Yeah. I, I man, this was a, a great watch. I had a really good time with it. Um, I, I, I really liked the beginning um, with them establishing their just like relationship, like the doing the handshake within like the first five minutes, you know, it's like, okay, like, we, this is established. I didn't know Jonathan majors was in it. So him showing up was a surprise to me. Like I, awesome. nice. maybe I knew at some point, but I had forgotten, you know, and I was like, Oh shit. He's in like, this is great. This is fantastic. So, <laughs> That was a pleasant surprise. Um, but yeah, I, I, man, I, I love this. I love all the, the, I don't know, camera trickery, I guess of some sort, like changing the aspect ratio to let us know when we're at what time was yeah. awesome. Because, I really like that. Yeah, yeah. Right. I thought it was kind of cool. Like, ha- having the actors play themselves as the, their younger selves. I also didn't know that was happening. So I thought we were going to see like the younger actors, whatever. But then when I realized it's them, like, oh, okay, cool. This makes even more sense than why we're at the four, three aspect ratio. Cause Spike's like, this is back then, <laughs> you know, and then we'll go back. And I also really enjoyed that. It was just like, it was transitions. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like a cut to like four, three and 16 by nine. Like it was just like, we, we'd watch the, the framing change, which I thought was kind of mm-hmm. cool to see that. Um, I loved watching them play themselves back then as well. Um, yeah. I think that that can be difficult when you do that in a movie, when you're trying to, you know, cast someone to play an older version. Like, I don't think anything's ever going to be, you know, straight out of Compton with O'Shea Jackson Jr. playing his dad, you know, like, but there's only so many times you're able to do that. Um, And so I think this device of just having the guys play them, their younger selves was really, really cool. Beautifully shot. Like it was, it it looked amazing. Um, I think, you know, Terrence Blanchard was on the soundtrack again. I mean, they've worked together so much. So the score was fantastic, but along those lines, the Marvin Gaye stuff was just amazing. Like I, yeah. I've never ever heard that acapella version of what's going on. You know, we've got to find a way to bring some love in here today. Oh, and it's just crazy how yeah. how differently something can hit you without the music behind it. Like when you're forced to just listen to the words um, and just like the vocal talents and range of, of Marvin Gaye, 
And, you know, that album is like kind of his Marvin Gaye's response to Vietnam, you know, like it's the narrative is, you know, a, a soldier coming home after Vietnam. And so to, to use basically like two thirds of that album as the soundtrack here was again, like very intentional, like spike is spike is not known for his subtlety, but I think that's what makes him spike, you know, right. it's like, I'm going to hit you over the fucking head with this. Like yeah. we're using the Marvin Gaye songs from his Vietnam album for this Vietnam movie. Um, and we're just really hitting it home and it, it did like, it, it worked so well. Like I, I know some of the reaction, I think when it first came out was that some of that live or not live footage, but some of that, um, stock, whatever from back then, like the actual footage was yeah. too graphic or whatever, but it's also just like, brutal. we need to see that though. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it is, it is. It's so brutal. Like the, I mean, we see children who are just like massacred we see people i mean it's just it's awful visuals to to look at but i don't think there's any other way to hit home just how bad it is because like any of us that weren't there i mean none of us were even alive at the time but like how do you compare to it if you hadn't experienced it you know and so this is i think spike's attempt to be like i want you guys to know what actually happened you know like what what people were actually suffering through at this time and the guys talk about it in the movie as well it's like they were sent by a country like they were sent to serve a country that didn't even give them the same rights as other people you know what i mean like they they were forced to go represent america then they came home and it's like oh but also you don't have the same rights as like your your white counterparts here that's also served it's like Mm -hmm. it's crazy to think about that and obviously Vietnam was just nuts in and of itself, you know, mm-hmm. but that's why I wanted to watch this because I just felt like, you know, while it may not have been like a, based on a true story or anything like that, I think these are all real experiences that people had gone through, like the gold bars aside, you know, I just, I figured like Spike's probably going to hit home, what it was like to serve as a black man in Vietnam for a country that just honestly didn't even respect you, you mm-hmm. know, at all. And yeah what that goes like what goes into that and he did like in spades he hit that home you know without a doubt yeah i don't know there's just so many great performances here i i loved all the spike isms that we saw um i thought it was beautiful i i agree with you tyler like i for me i there's probably like 20 minutes that could be trimmed here um you know by I, I think all that stuff at the beginning even as extended and stuff as it is like needs to be there to really hit home what's going on but right yeah i had i had a really good time with it there's some really funny stuff in here too i mean you know i, I don't know we'll, we'll get into it but yeah I'm, I'm glad that you picked this theme tyler um mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm stoked that we got to watch this this movie together man i mean we've talked about some of the cast members obviously i read that off at the beginning really i mean i i had a hard time trying to figure out who our protagonist was um, yeah i mean I think the first person we see is it Isaiah Whitlock. I think like with the drink at the hotel or something. I think so. Um, yeah. But it feels yeah. like Otis who's played by Clark, Clark Peters kind of seems like our protagonist for mm-hmm. the most part. Cause he has one of the biggest side stories that we yes. discover, you know, with his yeah. old flame and a daughter he didn't know about, you know? So like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah. By the way. Um, but anyways, it all that so just, well, like, how, really how old is she? Yeah. It was just like, 
he took it so in stride. I was like so thrown off by that, but I just like, okay, I guess that's not the story we're here to tell. So I'll, it's, I was it's, trying to figure out when to let the, it go, but were we strange. told when this was set, like the time frame, like is, is this like the nineties? I mean, there was no, no one sure. had a cell phone the whole movie, you know? Yeah, and true. if Vietnam, you know, sorry to any historians who are listening, I don't know the exact years that happened, but I feel like it was the late sixties and he has like a 20 year old something daughter, you know, like, so I feel like this was meant to take place in the early to mid nineties, but I may have missed the title card if there was one, but no cell phones. Yeah, I, no nothing I, I don't like remember that. it bothering me watching it. It kind of just felt no. like it made sense, you know, just, Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah same. Yeah. I think the main yeah. thing that I thought like stuck out to me is like when they're on that boat right at the beginning, you know, and everyone's like, Hey, do you want the beers? Do you want chicken? Whatever. The one dude's got a video camera and it is like kind of an old school handheld one. Yeah. You know, the the film in it and stuff. I'm like, okay, so this isn't a digital camera at all. So we might kind of be in that time frame. But it didn't bother me. It more just like curious. You know, I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, I wonder when this is, but yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't like add or subtract from the movie or the story at all. But yeah. All that long winded nonsense to say that I don't know that there's like a clear protagonist here, you know. Yeah. But I wanted to kind of hand out our Apollonia Award. Essentially for who our favorite part of this movie was, who we feel like maybe we're going to remember after, you know, when we talk about this with somebody or when we think about it in four months, like who's going to stick out to you from this movie? Matt, I'm going to throw it to you first. Who's your, who's your Apollonia winner? I got to go. I got to go Storm and Norman, baby. I got to go Chadwick. When I watched this, I was surprised at how, and it's not that his character wasn't prominent. Obviously, like in some ways, he is like the main character of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Just because he ties this group and this mission together, but he's the rug. You know? Yeah, he really the rug. ties this mission together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> check out our check out our episode of Big Lebowski. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to know what that's from, check out our episode of Big you Lebowski. You get that reference. Uh. Um, but I was surprised when I watched it. Um, how, how much less he was in it than I thought he was going to be. Yeah. That yeah. said, I felt like when he was, it, every scene that he was in was just like so impactful and he's just like mm-hmm. such a cool character and you could just get the sense of how much these dudes looked up to him, how much like yeah. weight he carried. And, uh, yeah, by the end of the movie, it's like, is Storm and Norman one of my favorite characters of all time? Like this dude yeah. is awesome. He was fantastic. Yeah. Like you said, he, he, I mean, he has to make the most of his scenes because almost all of them are in flashback. Uh, obviously at the yeah. end we like, we see him not in the flashback, um, kind of in a dream sequence, but that hit, that hit me so hard. That last moment between him and, and Delroy was fantastic, but yeah, Chadwick, he, he was so good in this. He did, he did a wonderful job. Tyler, who's your Apollonia winner? I'm going to let you say who my real answer is, Ben, because okay, we, have, right. we have the same answer here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and for me, I think my answer would have been storm and Norman up until about the last 30 minutes hmm. when Ben's answer just <laughs> takes over for me. We will talk about it when you get into it, Ben, but um, I got to shout out my boy, uh, Lester Freeman from the wire. Nice. <laughs> uh, you know, Isaiah Whitlock was in there too, but Clark Peters, he played Otis. He played Lester Freeman. 
Uh, Lester's one of my favorite characters in The Wire. And um, I felt, if I'm being honest, I sort of felt like Otis was just, was the same. You know what I mean? It was just mm-hmm. like, oh, it's Lester that went to war. Like, that's cool. And that's not totally fair. I thought like, I, I bought Otis as a character, but I just, I can, I, I hear that the rich timber of Lester Freeman's voice. And I just, I just, I can't help it. I can't, I love <laughs> the wire so much. So um, I want to shout, you know, shout out Clark Peters, um, shout out the wire. I know this is a movie podcast and I know at some point we say, we don't talk about TV here, but <laughs> we absolutely do not talk about TV. Never. This is all well, being cut. <laughs> I, I think we could break the rules for, in my opinion, probably the greatest television program of all time. I said it. That's right. That's right. And take the Sopranos and stick. <laughs> all you Big Bang Theory fans, shove it. You know, <laughs> I don't have that strong of opinions. I just love that show. And uh, yeah, but Ben, your answer I, to me, I think is the right, the right answer. He, he stole the show for me, especially honestly, the last like half of the movie for me, but yeah. Yeah. He was, he was amazing. Um, was Isaiah Whitlock for some reason? I thought he was in the wire too. Is he not in the wire? He is. He is. He is. Oh, okay. He cool. plays uh, Clay Davis, Senator. Oh, nice. All right. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, my selection and, you know, I cheated, I guess I put this down first, but it's a uh, Delroy Lindo. Like he's, he's just awesome. You know, like in everything that he's in, I still, whenever I see him, my first experience with him is was in a movie that I love. And it's probably like a guilty pleasure movie at the time. I thought like, Whoa, this is really well done. This is a great film, you know? Um, but it's him and gone in 60 seconds. The guy who's chasing after oh, Nick cage, you know, it's like, he's the cop that's going after him. Look, I don't know what you boys are looking for, but I just got back. Okay. It was a family emergency. Now that's the truth. Family emergency. Yeah. I got a family emergency too, Reynolds. I got to go tell my woman that I just lost $200 on a stupid deal. Mm. She's mean. What? She can be mean. Um, and I think about that every <laughs> single time that he's on screen. I was like, oh, fuck, I need to watch Gone 60 Seconds again, man. Like, I love that movie so much. But he's just like, yeah, he's he's fantastic in this. Um, you know, Spike has him playing a character who's like a, I mean, essentially like a right-wing Republican. You know, he's like pro-Trump. Yeah. Um, they kind of give him shit about that at the beginning, which is funny. Spike does not pull any punches on Trump in this movie at all. <laughs> like, <No. laughs> he's just like, not even just like a vague hint at it. It's like, oh, I'm just going to call him out by name. Yeah, just straight up. Yeah. Yeah. But it was interesting just to hear like Delroy's, like the, his character's, um, you know, reasoning for that, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. he also probably has like the most impressive arc, I think, of this whole film, which is probably why he's like the quote unquote right answer because we know even before Jonathan majors as his son shows up, like we already know, like he's struggling being in Vietnam, like it is messing with his brain, yeah. his emotions, all that. And then his son comes up and just like muddles the situation. Cause now he has to deal with that. And then, you know, we learn later on about like why he and his son have their issues that they do you know, all the gold, all that kind of stuff. Uh, he has, I think one of the best scenes, a very spike heavy scene where it's like the fourth wall straight to the camera as he's walking through yeah. the jungle, you know, he's yeah. like, they're not going to take my gold. They're not taking, um, what's his name? Paul. Yeah. It's like not, they're, yeah. they're not getting Paul's gold. And it's a, it's a long take, you know, and it's all like done in one shot and it's so well done. But he um, nails it, dude. 
That's what right. I was going to, I wanted to talk about that spikeism earlier, but I knew we were going to talk about him here. Um, and that's one of my favorites, just that fourth wall break, the angry yeah. monologue to the camera. And he nails this one, dude. Like, oh. it's so good. It's so good. And like, I was bored. It's, it just speaks to how good of an actor he is. Cause there's a part where he kind of like repeats some stuff. And I was like, Oh, did he kind of forget like the lines or where he's going here? And then just like continues going. He's like, Oh no, like he, that was supposed to look like that. Like he's just a fucking professional yeah. and he knows what he's doing. And it's so well done. Um, so yeah, he has a really interesting arc uh, all the way up to the end. Um, it's like heartwarming to see, what happens, I guess, with him and, and Chadwick, you know, when he lifts up his shirt, when Chadwick lifts up his shirt and he's like, you got to come clean about this and forgives yeah. him and stuff. It's like, oh, this is, this is why Storm Norman's been in his dreams every single night since Vietnam, because he's carried this yeah. guilt of having accidentally killed him. And he just, he plays it so well and he puts up this guard. And then again, like we find out that he lost his wife when his son was born. And so you know, he can't help but think about that every time he sees his son. And so has that resentment there. Like he's just got so much going on. Uh, and I think yeah. Delroy does like a, just gives a beautiful performance here. But yeah, I think he did a wonderful job. I was trying to remember, I want to say he was like nominated, but I could be wrong. I guess the, the score was nominated, but I thought Delroy got nominated for something, but um, yeah, I don't know. He gave a, a wonderful, a wonderful performance. So I think Paul, would be my pick for this um, as far as my Apollonia winner. So, but really great stuff from everyone. Isaiah Whitlock, totally. Jonathan Majors coming in and like fitting in with all those guys. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. D wonderful job. Um, I mean, I just talked about like one of the great scenes that we had in this movie, which is the fourth wall walk and talk, you know, kind of from Paul um, as he's like, separating from the group for his gold and stuff. I think that's a wonderful scene that you could show someone to really sell them on this movie. But I, I think it's time to officially go into our elevator pitch. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? And I want to, uh, each of us to kind of pick a scene that we would show somebody to basically convince them to watch this movie. Um, obviously the conceit behind this is that you're stuck in an elevator with someone and they want to know what it is you're watching. And so you, we get to choose a scene that we would show them from this movie to sell them on it. Tyler, I'm gonna throw it to you first. What's your elevator pitch? That's awesome. I have an answer for you, but I also had a, a segment idea just pop in my head. Yeah. We should do the opposite of the elevator pitch. Like what scene would you be most weirded out by if someone looked over your shoulder in the elevator? And that's oh. the scene you were on. Thing is, usually, you know usually what I mean? that is my elevator pitch. <laughs> <laughs> totally. That's true. Like, what the freak is this guy watching? And we could, oh yeah, so we could have the elevator pitch, and then we could have the the awkward airplane pitch, right? Like yeah, someone yeah. in the seat behind you, like you realize, like, oh shit, like and I'm in public watching this. Yeah. <laughs> It's like when your parents walk in on like the one sex scene. It's like, no, the whole movie isn't this. You just walked in at the wrong yeah. part. Like, it's not this. I'm not enjoying it. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I will say in this impromptu segment, for me, it's any of the gore scenes, like the 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 headshot, the oh, beginning dude. of the archival footage. That was like stomach turning. And then the, yeah. uh, the very first uh, landmine scene uh, was 
we know how I feel about gore. That was yeah. a lot. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm that was, in that boat too. And I, yeah, yes. I, I thought, yeah, gore and snakes. This movie <laughs> yeah. has it all. Gore and snakes. Only one snake though. Yeah, um, thankfully. I had a hard time coming up with one for this. I mean, mainly I had a hard time whittling it down. Yeah. There was a few elevator pitches I wanted to give. Um, so I'm going to give, I'm going to go with the Hanoi Hannah scene where she, where she reads that, or she does the monologue, the black yeah. GI monologue. Black GI in Memphis, Tennessee, a white man assassinate Dr. Martin Luther King, who heroically opposed the cruel racial discrimination in the USA. I just found that really gripping. I think she's a very interesting person that apparently is real. <laughs> I just learned about her from this movie. And I just thought that was like a fascinating, just a fascinating aspect of the story and a fascinating aspect of uh, the history of the war. And I just got to thinking of that being like the central point upon which all these soldiers could be connected to each other. Right. Like yeah. you get your orders from command and you see the people in your squadrons and whatever whatever but like you know they're all there they're all able to listen to Hanoi Hannah at the same time and have that experience just the way that would like tie you together and then just the the monologue that she's giving uh and the visuals we're seeing I just thought it was a really cool scene and it just gave me a lot to think about and mm -hmm. I think it was like the type of scene that Spike is so good at right because yeah he's not like you said Ben he's not uh he's not known for subtlety but it was so artistically done and so thoughtful and poignant and frankly easy to understand right like sometimes a dummy like me just needs you to tell me like this is what i'm mad about this is what i want you to know about here's some pretty stuff to go along with it and some pretty words but like here is the issue here's what you need to think about yeah um and i appreciated that and i thought it was really cool so yeah i don't know i love the hanoi hannah scene um i will say i also really loved the river trip just them cruising down the river. Yeah. Um, I thought that was just um, interesting. It sort of reminded me of, I've never done that before. I've had similar adventures, like being in a completely foreign place with, you know, you know, seeing the, the way people are living and just uh, those interactions with the people on the street selling you stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I thought it, was cool. uh, it was a cool, like adventure scene, like a little road trip scene. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But my real, my real answer is Hanoi Hannah. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Some of the stuff that was in there, um, you know, we've talked about it here. You and I worked at the airport. It kind of reminded me of a trip we took to Cambodia, you know, like even though, like yeah. the temple thing at the end was super Absolutely. cool. Um, obviously just being, I think it's literally connected to Vietnam. So it kind of makes sense at all, yeah. you know, looks the same, but yeah, that's awesome. Hanoi Hannah was great. Like it, it made me think it was, it felt like a very intentional, almost like Reference to the Mr. Senior Love Senior Love Daddy uh, Samuel Jackson and do the right thing. This is Mr. Senior Love Daddy, your voice of choice, the world's only twelve-hour strong man on the air here on We Love Radio 108 FM, the last on your dial, but first in your hearts, and that's the truth. Ruth. Um, oh, his right. radio. Yeah. You know, I want I want the show with the two of them. You know, at the <laughs> at the oh radio station. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, no, that's a that's a wonderful selection. Uh, Matt, what what is your elevator pitch? So when I think about this movie, the movie that or the movie that I think of is this movie. Um, <laughs> the uh, the scene that I always think about is and a scene that I just absolutely loved. And I'll I'll 
I'll build it back. I'll build it up uh, for those listening who haven't seen this movie. But it's it's the scene where Jonathan Majors steps on a landmine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so basically, uh, they're wandering through the woods, and there's already some drama around Jonathan Majors being there to begin with. He he insisted on being there, mm-hmm. and uh, to to Ben's point earlier, Jonathan Majors is just like he just gels right in with with this group. It, it was it's pretty cool. He's not overplaying his part at all, but he's like. He's holding up, which I think this is the second movie, right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's been great to see him just explode, really. But anyway, let's talk about a scene where he doesn't explode. Where he doesn't explode. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, he steps. So this scene builds up sort of the drama, not just of like the characters' conflict uh, amongst each other, but also just the the precarious environment that they're in. This dangerous. Uh, wilderness, uh, Vietnamese wilderness, where there's still active landmines anywhere, and they just mm-hmm. they're not really equipped to to be wandering around this area. Uh, anyway, uh, Jonathan Major steps on it, and he knows that he stepped on it, and it just adds this really great drama. Uh, but it leads to just like these really great moments of th- just a really great moment of this team like working together to try to save this guy this guy's life. Yeah, because he's basically like stepped on his death and I just like it puts you in that situation kind of like you, you can kind of like you're kind of Jonathan Majors in that situation like holy crap like I'm dead basically yeah. you're literally standing on your impending doom and and I think yeah. like you assume that he's going to make it out of there but like you don't know like it's a Spike Lee movie like, you don't know yeah yeah well, I mean just like minutes earlier we saw Eddie step yes. on one and blow up you know so it's just like okay, I guess anyone's fair game here. And I, I like... I don't know I don't know about you guys, but from the second they, Jonathan Majors found that first gold bar until Eddie blew up, I had like, my anxiety was through the roof. Like Alex <laughs> and I were like holding hands. I'm like, hey, I had to, I had to put them like, okay, it's well set up in this movie and like, you know, it's established in history that like, there are landmines everywhere in Vietnam from this yeah. war. And there's already been talk about cleaning up landmines. We've seen people with amputations. Like, so we're sitting there like, we can, like yeah. barely watch the screen. I was like, are they going to blow up Jonathan majors? Like seriously, right like, all right. it was barely enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Absolutely. And I, I, I kind of liked um, just another layer to this you know since we're talking talking black history and just this movie just oozes with black pride which is just like mm-hmm. so great to see and jonathan majors is wearing his morehouse shirt that kind of plays yeah. into you know sort of like the hype or like how do you hype yourself into not dying you yeah. know what i mean like yeah. it's just a pretty insane scene and i just remember when they yank him like i just remember audibly like cheering yeah like, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was just as stoked as the characters in the movie so that's that's gotta be like i didn't really have any other choice but to choose that scene yeah i think that's great i mean that scene that you talked about you know when paul when Delver was trying to like pump him up you know it was like where did you go to school he's like the house he's like yeah what like who else went to the house and i i don't remember the person's name um and i i should but we we see the image of the um hurdler right like yeah they did the, the yeah. hurdles yeah um you know, they're talking about like, and why was he so good? And John Major like, cause he only took 13 steps and everyone else took 15. 
and like he could fly across. He's like, cool. What are you going to do? He's like, I'm going to fly. It's like, say it again, I'm going to fly, you know, just like, let's get everyone fucking amped, you know, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> yeah. and in my brain, I'm just like, have we established, is this like one, two, three, pull or one, two, pull, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I'm not worried about, about that. Like, I was right? like, you have to have this conversation. This is the most important. <laughs> yeah. This is a rock, paper, scissors guys. Like, yeah. you have when are we going on the three? <laughs> exactly. I thought or maybe for comedic effects, someone was going to be like, you know, with Paul Walter Hauser there, it's like, oh, he's going to be like, oh, wait, guys. Uh, when it, yeah. you know, I was like, we're going to clarify this, but nope, we just go for it. But if that yeah. was my son on that landmine, I'd be like, okay, you guys, it's one, two, three, then we pull. <laughs> like nobody pull on three because I don't want this, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, that I also didn't know too, like with all the suspense, like, I wonder if this is going to be a dud, you know, like if we're just yeah. building all the suspense and it, it's not going to be, you know, active, but mm-hmm. it was a great scene. It was super cool. The idea of showing the archival footage and the photos of all these people that they're talking about plays throughout the whole movie, which is awesome. I mean, they talked about someone earlier who was like the first person to die. Um, was it like in the, I don't know, was it the civil war? I don't, I don't remember exactly which war it was, but like it was a black person was the first one to die. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so I don't know, just it, it was really interesting to see all that, um, all the different references and just see that on screen. It's it's very cool. It feels like something that like if a, a lesser director did it, it would come across like this is very amateurish. But when it's Spike, it's like, oh, this is intentional. This is like supposed to be here. Spike yeah. knows he's doing whatever. Yeah. Um yeah. for me, uh just you know, it's one of the beginning scenes is the first time that they're like in that club, even just starting out with them dancing, you know, it's like, Oh man, this is what these guys were experiencing the last time they were in Vietnam. And to now see them dancing in this club, it's like, man, what like, is that cathartic for them? Like, what is that like for them to be experiencing? This is in a whole new light here. Um, And then all the way through to meeting the, the guide and getting the drinks from the other guys, you know, and we just learned so much about the character there, like Paul, like not wanting to raise his glass to them because they are still the enemy, you know, and the guy's just like, dude, there's no war right now. Like it's over. Like we can be okay. And we just, we, we get so much information in that, in those scenes. And I just like the carefree nature of the guys like dancing. It's just fun to see old guys dancing. You know, It's kind of cool. So that's what I would go with. And it keeps it, I guess, kind of that's, one of the last lighthearted moments, I guess that we get, you know, before like we're off on, on the adventure here. So that, that's what I would pick. Yeah, I am um, like that scene, the, the, what you just talked about, how Paul like wouldn't raise his glass and stuff. Like Paul's character specifically is like perfectly tracks my uh, enjoyment in the movie because that scene, like I knew obviously what they were trying to say, like, you yeah. know, he's got his PTSD. He's, he can't get over the fact that like, this was, this, this is still the enemy to him, whatever. I understood what they're trying to do. I just didn't believe the character, you know, I just wasn't buying it yet. Yeah. But then the more and more it went along, like for whatever reason, he just like, I don't know, maybe it was a me thing. I'm not really too sure. Maybe I was expecting something different, but I don't know. Just like the, the more I enjoyed Paul, the more I enjoyed the movie. Like, yeah. And that's, I think that's the best Hmm. the best way I could describe why I picked him is my Apollonia because like if, if, if I didn't start enjoying Paul, I wasn't going to like this movie. And That's at a certain yeah. point, the more and more, the more and more that he went along and I got to know his character and started and like believed his character, then the more I loved the movie That's and cool. it ended, which is like, you know, it's tragic the way it ends for Paul, 
Um, I guess. I don't know if it's like, I guess it's tragic. Well, here's my like, thought though. Like when that's happening, is like if I know these people are gonna shoot me anyway, I'm not digging my own yeah. grave. Like, no, you guys no, deal no, with no, this. For shit, sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I just mean like the fact that he was gunned down that way. Yeah. But like I I I guess I don't know if it's tragic. I mean, maybe that was the release that he was looking for, right? Yeah, I mean there's the there's maybe. the triumph before to, that the vision, you know. Yeah. Totally. Some, and he got to save his like he essentially acted as decoy for his friends, you know, like he he was able to help his friends in a way so they could get to the temple, right? Because they got to the temple while they were looking for Paul. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because they split the Yeah, the, so it's like Yeah. Yeah. So like I don't know. I just thought um I just really like Paul, man. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I didn't like his character to start with, and then he ended up being my favorite part. So nice. Yeah. Delroy is great. Well, I think we are gonna head over to our Rushmore Mountain now. These are OR scrubs. Oh, are they? Um, this one felt pretty laid out to cover some Vietnam movies. Um, for each of us to pick either our favorite or just one that we feel needs to be represented on the Rushmore. Uh, as usual, we're going to go ahead and throw Defy Bloods on there as the one that we're talking about this week. And then we're each going to pick another movie to come up with our four selections for this Rushmore. Um, Matt, I'm going to throw it to you first. What is your, your Vietnam movie? Oh, man. Well, I think we got to go. We got to go with Gump. Got to do it. Forrest Gump. Yeah, I'm... I, I said this earlier, I have not seen a ton of Vietnam movies. Mm-hmm. And the, the ones that you would pick typically and that you would think of when you think of Vietnam movies, I have not seen those. And so, mm. um, but Forrest Gump is such a prominent, you know, setting with Vietnam and some of the characters directly related to Vietnam that I gotta, yeah. I gotta go with Forrest Gump. Lieutenant Dan? You know, Bubba. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at first I wanted to quibble because I'm like, we're not in Vietnam that much, but those characters are so integral to the rest of that story that without Vietnam, you don't have that story. Yeah. And so I, I took, I, I pocketed my quibble. You don't have to hear it from <laughs> Pocket full of quibble. Tyler's <laughs> over there with a pocket full of quibble. That's, that's about all I've gotten there. <laughs> um, that's awesome. So speaking of things you could quibble about, um, I really want to nominate Tropic Thunder. I just don't know if it counts. I mean, I guess it's shot in Vietnam, right? I guess I didn't clarify that it has to be Vietnam War. So yeah, and it's about a Viet. It's about the a Vietnam fake Vietnam War, movie, kind of. Yeah, I I don't know if it counts. I, I'm like I'm quibbling myself here. Like you guys are way nicer than me, but I'm just like I it's, know, a, it's a Vietnam it, movie. But I mean, you're saying it. I'm like I, I'll count it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have any quibbles in my pocket. We saw how my dad responded to Ready Player One as the Spielberg movie. So when he sees Tropic Thunder as the Vietnam movie, like just wait for those comments, you know, they're coming through. <laughs> I, you almost, you almost locked it in for me there, like because I mean, in all reality, like I'm gonna put, I I have to put Platoon on mm-hmm. here. You know what I mean? Like I like it better than um, Full Metal Jacket. Mm. Um, I've never seen the deer hunter yet. Uh, that almost made it into its way into an episode of three films in a podcast, but I think it got bumped for something else. Oh. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've seen born on Fourth of July 
uh, you know, I've seen a lot of these, but of all of the ones that I've seen that aren't going to be picked by someone else, um, yeah. for me, I, I, I got to put Platoon on there. Nice. So I loved, I would walk, I watched Tropic Thunder a hundred times before I watched Platoon again. Not that I didn't enjoy Platoon, but I just yeah. love Tropic Thunder. But I just don't think it deserves to be on a Vietnam War list over yeah, yeah. something like Platoon. <laughs> you know? That makes sense. And I want to be able to be civil with Leo the next time I see him. So <laughs> that's good. That's good. Um, <laughs> I think the Platoon that was like you and I before, like that was yeah. early on, right when we were both just yeah. like nominating we, stuff. Yeah. yeah, we watched that. That was yeah, that was a good one. That was like one of the first ones we watched. I think. I think so. Yeah. That's a, that's a great selection. I love, I love full metal jacket. That's when I was going back and forth on, um, there's a lot of good movies out there. I have never seen born on the 4th of July, but I have a very distinct memory that I was being babysat once and my babysitter, she put this movie on and we watched it. And then I think there was a sex scene coming up. I would assume cause she made me like leave the room and then come back in later. And I've, always been so intrigued about what it was that she made me leave for you know and i don't know why i've never watched it to find out like i'm sure at this point I'd be like oh that was it you know but you know i was whatever eight or nine at the time she's like uh probably shouldn't be in here so i don't know i had i sorry i had a a babysitter when i was probably i don't know 10 or something like a mm-hmm. summer like the, she like would hang out in the summer and watch us and there was an Aerosmith video on at the time on MTV. And she made me leave the room every time. <laughs> wow. And she watched MTV all day and that's all they played. So I, le- I had to leave the room like every <laughs> 20 minutes. And she like, I ne- like, it took me so long to finally see this Aerosmith video. I wish I could remember which one it was. It ended up being so stupid. I was like, what the fuck was the deal here? <laughs> like, I'll, I'll try to find it while you're, yeah. while you're doing your, um, I wonder if it was like, thing, but the Meanwhile, I think it was that crazy one. I think with Alicia Silverstone or something was in it, but I don't remember exactly. But that must be it. I'll try to find it while you're talking. Um, so my selection is, I mean, I guess arguably one of the most notorious Vietnam movies of all time. It's Apocalypse Now. Man, this movie is it's a movie, dude. It is it is so <laughs> there's so much that goes into this. Um, Francis Ford Coppola directed um just a obviously a stellar cast with Martin Sheen and Robert Duvall. And I think one of Marlon Brando's last performances on screen, Lawrence Fishburne, a young Harrison Ford. If you want even younger than Han Solo, check this out. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic movie. I've seen it a couple of times. Um, there's so many different versions that you can check out, but there's such like a, a history behind the production of this. They, they shot this movie for 16 months which is absurd, you know, like I think most movies get done in like 16 weeks, you know, like for maybe not something this level, but to shoot for almost a year and a half is insane. Um, So there's so much footage. They've made a documentary on the making of it called Hearts of Darkness, which is also really, really good. Um, But just some so interesting stories. Like there's the story of like Martin Sheen staying up for like 24 hours or 48 hours before he had to like shoot a scene where he's just like, is sleep deprived and stuff and just i mean there's so much that that goes into it but it's a it's a great movie it's an intense movie um and i think it just it needs to be on this list for sure so if people haven't seen it i think you should check it out if you have any interest in more vietnam movies um just gotta really want to see hearts of darkness i've never seen it 
maybe we should do a documentary around, you know? Shit. Who knows? Who um, knows? And it was the, uh, it was the living on the edge video. Living on the edge. Okay. Steven Tyler for the first little bit. He's like standing there naked, holding his own wiener. Hell yeah. Okay. Doing his own <laughs> little chili peppers impersonation. Or something. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and apparently that was just, you know, that was too much for young Tyler. But then I, when I finally saw it, I was so disappointed. Unlike yeah. five bloods. When I finally saw this, I was appointed. Appointed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, was not disappointed no <laughs> um it's there's a fuck is wrong with me <laughs> i don't know i was like oh, it feels like a real michael scott ism you know Maybe next time you will estimate me thanks for letting me be on the podcast guys yeah, yeah <laughs> i love it <laughs> do we have any final thoughts about the five bloods before we wrap up this episode i think we've covered a lot of stuff uh i know i mainly just really wanted to hit on that marvin gay contribution to the soundtrack yeah. i think that was it was awesome um that acapella version of what's going on is just it's beautiful and it's just it's fun i think any excuse to watch a spike lee movie i'll take um so i was happy yeah. to to be able to nominate this movie but do you guys have anything else you want to talk about for the five bloods yeah I, w- I would just say to those who haven't watched it i mean take take the cast take spike lee Take the type of story that this is, the perspective that it is of, you know, you know, black soldiers returning to Vietnam. That's that's a really unique story. And this yeah. it this is inter- such an entertaining story and explores those things that we just don't hear a lot about or think a lot about. And so it's definitely worth the watch. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's a trip. And yeah, there's there's some there's some heavy stuff in it. Um, some heavy handed themes as well, but it's just a great experience. Yeah. Very powerful totally. for sure. I guess I would say too, like, Oh no, go ahead, Ben. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I mean, we even get a little bit of the glimpse of the side from the people in Vietnam who served, you know, their totally. guide, his dad totally. served and died and the people who were trying to take the gold from them. It's like, well, we deserve it too. Cause you guys fucked up our country, <laughs> you know, it's like, and yeah. they're not, wrong you know it's it's so interesting to hear all these different perspectives of it i like that they call it the american war and they that made me laugh yeah yeah um i noticed that this movie gets like uh surprisingly poor ratings like Mm -hmm. on imdb and letterboxd and stuff i mean not like bad ratings but like on letterboxd there's like the bell curve as soon as it hits four stars it just drops like no one's rating this more than four stars in letterbox, which is fine. I didn't rate it more than four stars, but it's usually more of a linear curve, right? Yeah, yeah. And I would have to assume it's just because of the heavy-handed Black Lives Matter and, and Black history messaging and uh, I guess like revisionist history that's going on, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, And by, by revisionist history, I mean, we're finally learning, or not finally learning, but it's just like, we're hearing a, their story as opposed to just like the white man's Vietnam story. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I don't mean revisionist history in the sense that they're getting it wrong. I just mean, I don't know. I just wonder if it's just the heavy handedness is driving the ratings down. And I would just would hope that people could be a little more open-minded than that. Like sure. you have to understand, like you're going into a Spike Lee movie and if you never, if you don't know anything about Spike Lee, I guess that's fine. You got to start somewhere, but like, this is, what he's been doing his entire career. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. I don't know how you could, I don't know how you could go into the movie that, that in my opinion was so well done and so compelling as the five bloods 
and give it any, you know, and, and, and dock it because of the messing and the overt mm-hmm. heavy handedness. And like, yeah. maybe that's not the reason. I mean, I genuinely, I gave it three and a half stars. I feel like that's genuinely the rating I wanted to give it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think it just surprised me that there aren't more people giving the higher ratings. And I just wonder if there's like some sort of, I don't know, like anti-Black Lives Matter brigade <laughs> giving this thing yeah. bad ratings online. You know what I mean? This just seems strange to me. Are you suggesting that angry white men will weaponize the internet to <laughs> further their <laughs> Yeah, feelings? what kind of huh. accusation is this? That's really weird. I never would have thought of that before. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think... I mean, possible. Yeah. Uh, the only person that we didn't shout out that I want to is good to see Jean Renault again. Um, mm. If you haven't seen Leon the Professional, go watch that because he's super awesome in that with uh, Natalie yeah. Portman. But yeah, I think your point's right. Spike Lee is a very... Um, a, not subtle director. So that could have set people off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, along those lines, I work with someone who saw the Elvis movie, which I loved. And I asked them what they thought. And they just said like, Oh, it's just like so chaotic and colorful and loud. And it's like, well, yeah, it's Baz Lerman. It's <laughs> like, you know, you know that who that yeah. was, you know? And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, if you've seen like Moulin Rouge or Romeo and Juliet, it's like, Oh, okay. That makes more sense. It's like, yeah, I guess it's helpful to know who you're yeah. watching when you go into a movie. So I think knowing that this was a spike movie, made a lot of I was like uh, I guess sorry along those same lines I went to uh my grandma's birthday dinner this weekend and mm-hmm. my aunt had just seen the whale I haven't seen it yet but she had just seen it and she was going on and on about how like great it was but how dark and how sad it was and I was like well yeah it's an Aronofsky film and there's like <laughs> yeah they, they they don't know what that means you know like they, yeah I don't know that any of them have seen Black Swan or whatever but like yeah I was like yeah it's going like, the they never saw Fraser pie movie. or yeah, they didn't watch a uh, Requiem for a Dream, right? So it's like <laughs> exactly they were just like, yeah, it's a Brendan Fraser movie. It's just like <laughs> it is helpful to know the director a little bit, you know, that yeah, he's adequately prepared. But yeah, <laughs> cool. Well, guys, this was fun to talk about. Um, Always, this was a, a really great movie. I'm glad that I finally got to see it. Um, I'm very excited for Matt's pick next week where we will be covering Judas and the black Messiah to wrap up our black history cinema round. Um, So yeah, thanks everyone for joining us and for supporting us. We appreciate it and we will see you all next week. Mr. Brogan, I do believe you're fucked. Royally. Shit.